Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Hey, it's exciting this morning. First service, we brought it. We brought it to first service. We don't do that every time. The 930 service doesn't necessarily necessarily get all the power, but you got it this morning. So I hope you feel that this morning. I hope you're awake and just excited. And I'm excited to share this this, um, this morning's word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 this morning. This is where we'll be. It's going to be It's going to be powerful this morning. So just look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be powerful. Look at your other neighbor and say, do you feel the power yet? All right, there you go. So, man, uh, we're just, we're dealing with a lot in our culture, a lot just personally. Uh, It's a unique time to be alive, isn't it? It's a unique time as you see everything going on with you. And so we just want to talk about just emotional intelligence over the next four weeks. And we're going to highlight four different topics um, through this. And, and there's a reason why, because, because just the stress that's happening. And, and I want to preface this because when we're talking about just dealing with maybe anxiety and what that looks like, I'm, I'm, I'm no psychiatrist. I'm no psychologist. I'm barely a pastor and, and I can barely counsel, right? And so, so I fall short and all that. So I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to remedy maybe everything psychologically that's happening. I just know that there's some real um, ill effects maybe chemically going on in your mind. But so I'm not talking about maybe necessarily a psychological anxiety this morning or throughout the next four weeks. What I'm talking about is just the real pressure that all of us feel, right, every single day, the real pressure that hits in life. We all, at, at some point in life, have a little bit of anxiety, don't we? We all have a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of angst coming our way, and I just want to deal with that a little bit. I want to talk about that and really what that looks like as we talk about our emotional quotient and how that's been given. You see, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and and EQ was a big deal because as I saw youth students come in and out of our youth ministry, we saw, we saw families and we saw families that were no longer together. We saw a lot of family dysfunction, if you will, a, a lot of family um, separation, divorce, um, single parent households. We saw so many different things happening. And, and as a result, it's allowed our culture maybe to, to grow up in such a way where our emotional quotient, it may be a, a little off than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Because on top of that, you have compiled all this technology and all the social media and everything that's coming your way. Isn't that true? And, and you know what? I grew up in a great household. I grew up with great parents. And yet, yet I still dealt with something that I think I just really need God to pour into my heart and, and expand a little bit with my emotional quotient. And that was conflict. 
Conflict. Anybody have a good time with conflict? You like conflict? You look for conflict? You know, there's certain people, you know, the Harvard Business Review would say certain people lean into conflict, right? Certain people lean into it, and there's other people who lean away from it. You have any people, anybody in here just like lean into conflict? I love conflict. I'm ready for conflict. Let's go. It's very rare, and, and, and yet many of us don't. And I just want to talk biblically what it looks like to handle conflict, and here's why. Here's why, because the other day, uh, Benson and I, we were up at the church. We were, we were cleaning and hanging out. I think Brandy was preparing the elementary room as our ele- elementary director, and, and we were just hanging out, having a good time, and it was late at night, and we started leaving. It was a school night, and, and Benson did what a lot of kids do. He had to go potty. He had to go potty right after you buckle him up, right after he said he didn't have to go potty. We got in the car, and now he has to go to the restroom, and, and it's like the parent's dream, right? It's like, yes, thank you. Thank you for waiting at this moment, at this time, and, and he had to go really bad. And so I've been wanting to check out Andretti's Race Center down the street, right? And so I was like, this is a great excuse at 930 on a school night to go into Andretti's and just see what's there, you know, just see maybe there's some games that we can play and, and, and just observe. And so we go in and we walk in and this guy comes up to me and I said, hey, man, I have a card and it's a free free um, hour of play that you can use and once you swipe it it starts and I haven't used it yet would you like this and he saw my son right there and saw that we were going to have some bonding time on a school night at 9 30 right and and so I was like thank you so much this is awesome so we go and we rush to the restroom and then and then the Holy Spirit convicts me and says you can't keep your kid out late and play video games right now you need to get home or your wife is going to have some conflict with you it's going to be it's going to be rough and so the Holy Spirit poured into me, and I had wisdom. I said, okay, I need to save this card until I can bring them back. But here's the thing. This guy gave me this card expecting me to play, and I didn't want to let him down. So what did I do? I grabbed Benson. And I said, don't look around. We're going to walk right to the front door. We're going to shoot past this guy without him seeing us, right? And so I grabbed Benson, and we start walking to the front door, and this guy is right there, and I'm not making eye contact because I don't want to tell him I didn't use his card, and I didn't play it, and I just wasted it, and I don't want to explain the whole story. So I just jet out and into my car, and I leave, and I realize... I, I have a hard time with conflict. <laughs> I have a hard time. I have a hard time telling a stranger that, hey, I'm not using your card right now. I'm going to save it and use it somewhere else, but thank you for the card. I have a hard time with little conflict, little confrontation like that. And I'm just telling you, if I have a hard time with little confrontation, think about the hard confrontation. Think about my marriage right now. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. Like, we... we, we I have a hard time sometimes because I'm, I'm ignoring a stranger. How much more do I ignore my wife? <laughs> Praise God. And it's this. It's like the pressure comes against you. And I just, I'm not really great at handling the pressure. And, and the stats are behind me that I'm not alone in this. In fact, um, the American Psychological Association in 2017 did this research. And they said that. 63% of the, uh, of the nation is, is stressed about the future of the nation. 62% are stressed about money. 61% are stressed about work. 
And 57% are stressed about the political climate. I mean, come on, somebody. There's a lot of stress happening, right, in our nation. There's a lot of pressure happening in our nation. And this, this is not alone. This is the majority. The majority of these are, are the case right here. And, and so what are the top causes of stress in our life? Like, what are they? Well, here we have a list, right? Job pressure, money, health, relationships, poor nutrition, media overload. There's just this, there's this, the list that goes on and on and on. And how many of us struggle with these things on a daily or a weekly basis, right? I, I struggled with on, on my birthday. You know, I, be honest, I didn't just celebrate on my birthday, sugar. I celebrated all week. I was like, man, it's my birthday week. Anybody celebrate birthday week, birthday month? I, I've seen some of your posts. It's birthday month. And and so, man, I just, uh, this poor nutrition just got me, and now, now I'm kind of stressed out because my pants are tighter, everything else. And I'm like, what happened in just this little bit of time? And, 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 and so uh, another stat is 75% of us are stressed out of some capacity in our nation. That's three out of four people are stressed out or feel pressure in, in our country, in our nation, according to these statistics and this data. That's three-fourths of us. I mean, look around. Just look around. Like, yes, most people on your row are stressed. The ones who aren't are the ones who are kind of chill, and they're just kind of checked out of the message right now. They're like, man, who cares? It's okay. Life's good. Don't worry about it. But most of us are stressed. And so, so what do we do with this? What do we do with this? In Matthew chapter 5, we read about this. We read about what Jesus says. He, he's talking in, in this, this greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to these religious leaders, the Pharisees, and he's talking about just, just standards, standards of living. He talks about, he talks about um, do not murder, but don't even be angry with somebody. Right, he, he starts moving it from, from this law and this do, don't list to a heart reflection of what's happening in the heart what's going on internally inside of us in matthew chapter 5 23 he says this so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift that Jesus is talking about this relational stress that can happen amongst us. And he says, I want to help you navigate the conflict with your friendships and your relationships and the stress around you. The first thing you have to do is you have to leave your gift at the altar. Before you sacrifice, before you do that, leave it there and go be reconciled to a brother or a sister. And this is hard to do, but, but Jesus is making a great point. He's making a great point, and this is really challenging for us. You see, I, I, uh, any of y'all have a front yard, maybe you live in a house, maybe you grew up in a house and growing up, you have a front yard, a backyard, and, and all you want your yard to do is be green, right? Green and lush. That's the goal of every yard, isn't it? Like, I want this yard to be full. And, and there's a challenge in Texas because the wind blows and, and in the hill country, certain grasses don't grow real well. And, and it's just challenging. And so what happens is your yard begins to be filled up with weeds, doesn't it? And, and 
Uh, if you're like me, you're like, man, really the goal is just the green lawn. So I'll just, I'll just mow this lawn really short and you can't even see the weeds, right? Anybody else do that? You pull out your push mower, pull out whatever you do. Like, let's just mow the weeds down just really short and it'll look green like all year. It'll be amazing. It's just like a no-brainer. But how many know when you do that, the weeds are still there, obviously. The weeds are still there, and we know that the weeds are still there. And so the, the only real way um, when it comes to weeds is you have to pull them up by the roots, right? You have to pull them up by the root. When we first moved to my house on Treewell, we, we had all this crabgrass, you know? And and I'm from West Texas where it's just dirt, so crabgrass actually looked nice to me. Like, at least it's grass. And so I'm excited about that. And what I found is I really wanted a nice grass and, and the right grass. And so I started pulling up weeds, and we started pulling up one out another. And what I found is, man, my yard was pretty bare. It was all weeds. And so now it's like starting over. And, and I think this is what Jesus is saying right here in this sermon. It's he's saying... I really want to get the weeds out of your life. But to get the weeds out of your life is I'm I'm not going to just mow it down so it doesn't look like you have problems. I want to get the root out so the problem actually doesn't exist. How many of you know that that's really the goal, right? That's really the point of Jesus' sermon here is, is, hey, you look good with the law. You know, the Pharisees look good with the law. But they still had a lot of weeds. They were just mowing them down. But I want to get to the root, and I want to rip it out. So he starts challenging us deeper and deeper in this scripture. He starts with murder. He says, do not murder. But, but really, it's, it's do not, do not, um, it, it, murder starts with anger, doesn't it? Murder starts with anger. If you're any angry, you've murdered. He moves it from murder to if you're any angry at somebody, you've committed murder. That, how many of you know that's rough? That's, that's frustrating. That's like, oh, man, how many of y'all murdered in here? Yeah, exactly, all of us. Yeah, yeah, killers, man, killers. So, and, then, and then he moves into adultery. Indult, adultery really begins with this, this whole idea of discontentment, this discontentment and just lingering in your mind. That's how adultery starts. It, it starts with this root this, this heart issue that's deep down, it's just you're lingering, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about what it would be like if you, if you stepped out into something and you, you really sit there. And then, and then he talks about gossip. And gossip really begins with like this insecurity and this deep need for affirmation. Like I'm just trying to be affirmed here, so I'm gossiping and I'm talking about different people. And, and, and God's saying, in this moment is, I want you to be reconciled. I want you to be reconciled in your situation, in your circumstance. I want you to be reconciled where you are. And the, the one true way to be reconciled is to meet face to face. Think about it. This, Jesus didn't say, text your friend, email your friend. Now, that technology didn't exist, but he didn't say, write a letter. He didn't say, hey, go tell Mary you know, that, that you're upset, right, with, with Martha. You know, go tell, go tell Lazarus. Go tell, go tell this person and relay the message. No, he says, go to that person. You have to go face to face. And, and it's, it's the simplest thing, right? That's pretty simple. But how many know that's difficult? That's challenging. Like, I, I want to I do so many other things than, than go face to face with them. And, and if the thing is, is, we have a society who is really 
not gone face to face and never been taught that very well. And so we, we've seen it hijack all sorts of people in all sorts of situations. Marriage, marriages have been hijacked. Friendships have been hijacked. Teammates, if you're on a team, have been hijacked. Churches have been hijacked. Your connect groups have been hijacked. Coworkers are hijacked. We all, we all hijacked through this. And what we do is we start, we start throwing shade at them, right? Start, we start talking about them. We start placing blame on the other person. Oh, you know what they did? And then you start going tell somebody else about it. Or you do what I do. You avoid them. Anybody else avoid them? Like, you know, if, if I have conflict with you, it's like, I still got, my, I still got my, my offering right here, and I'm just walking around, I see you, and I'll just go, oh, I'm going this way. Man, <laughs> Pastor Ben, go in the bathroom 10 times in between services. Just, just conflict, right? Avoid them, or, or, or we just, sometimes we just run. We just, we just cut off the relationship. So I'm, I'm done with it. Man, it got so big, I don't really know if I can deal with it. We've, we've been modeled three things, division, destruction, and divorce as a result. Division, destruction, and divorce as a result because, because we have a hard time dealing with conflict. So these unreconciled relationships, it, it, it's very challenging. And as I talk about unreconciled relationships, some of you are already thinking about some unreconciled relationships, right? Some of you already feel, feel a little upset in your stomach, like, ooh, man, what about that person? I don't know about him or her. I, I just don't know. And, and it brings up some of this stuff. And, and you, you wonder like, man, I just don't know. I don't know if I can really confront. I don't know if I can really move to this place. But, but maturity and the maturation that God wants to do in your heart is bring you in a place where you can deal with conflict in your relationships. That's what maturation is, is, is as you're maturing, you'll find this in any leadership position. Whatever you've been promoted to, the more responsibility you have, all it means is you got more conflict. That's all responsibility is, more confrontation. You know, and you know this as parents, like when you have a kid, oh, great. I'm maturing because I'm confronting all the time and I'm having to deal with this. Avoidance is immaturity and will lead to a path of immaturity, but confronting will move you to a place of confrontation. This is what God wants is he wants to pull up the weeds, and, and it's amazing how it just starts with one weed right in your yard. You find that, this is just fascinating, right? It's just one weed, and what do you do? Oh, it's no big deal. I mean, it's just one weed. I'll just mow over it. No big deal, and then what happens is it starts spreading, and the weeds are just like start popping up all over the place, and then soon what happens? Your yard is full of weeds, but if you deal with it, right away and you go to it and you start pulling it up what happens is you you deal with it and you carry this this zero balance in your life the zero balance where you don't owe anybody anything they don't owe you anything that's what you want relationally carry a zero balance when it comes to offense when it comes to hurt when it comes to pain when it comes to any of this stuff that's what god is after that's what he wants you to go to so what do we need to do? The first thing you need to do is that with those who are Christians, those who are believers, and there's offense or there's hurt or there's pain, the first thing we need to do is we need to be reconciled. And the way we're reconciled is we need to go to them. The first thing you have to do is you, you have to go to them. You, you have to do it quickly, and you have to do it as quick as possible, and don't let it linger so the weeds don't start spreading. You, you have to go to them, and, and don't do it through a text message. Yo, man, hey, man, I'm sorry what I said the other day about this, you know, because, you know, 
man, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me, man. I'm so, I don't know, man. So, hey, man. So, anyway, maybe, I don't know. You want to get on Xbox with game, maybe call dude out. The like, first thing you need to do is you need to go to them, not text. Because texting, you can't understand the heart in a text. It was kind of like the law. It was hard to understand God's heart in the law. We all read it as a do and don't, but we didn't really know God or have intimacy with him. So we didn't really understand the heartbeat of God. So we have to go to them. We have to have a relationship with them. And, and, and it's real helpful to, to create a good tone when it comes to reconciling. How many of you ever laid your altar down? You had a fence with somebody and you go up to somebody and say, yo, man, what's your problem? Yo, I know you got something. What's going on, man? What's the problem? What's, what, what's the deal? Yeah, you and I, man, what's, what's, what's happening? Hey, hey, girl, what's up? You know, you and me, we just, it's not working. What's going on? Like, tone matters, right? Tone matters. Instead, you go up to them and you just say, hey, you know, I, I sense some weirdness right now with us, and I don't know what happened, and I, I, I really, I, I just, I want us to be right. I want us to be right, and whatever happened, you know, I'm just coming first. And I'm just saying in humility, hey, what, what's going on with us? What happened? Was there something that I did or something that I said? And you changed the tone. Tone is a big, important part of this. And this is, this is a responsibility. The responsibility is on the one who knows the relationship is not right. That's the responsibility. It's, it's the one who knows the relationship's not right. It's, it, it, you see, how would anybody know otherwise? If there's something in you, then you need to be the one who approaches them. If there's anything going on in you, you need to be the one who confronts. Uh, my <clears throat> good friend and I, we were on a bachelor trip. One of my other friends was getting married, and this was the group of friends that were kind of wild. You know, they turned up, you know, bachelor party. You know, they got wild. It was awesome, I guess. And... Uh, so I told my good friend who's a Christian, a believer with me, I said, hey, man, I, you know, I know it's going to be crazy. I know it's going to be wild. I know they're going to they're gonna drink. We're going to go float the river. We're going to do all this stuff. But, but there's this younger man who's going, the younger brother, the one who's getting married, and he's in my youth ministry, and I just I want to lead him well. Like, I love him. I want to be an example to him. And so I'm not going to drink. And, I, man, I love that if you join me in that. So my friend said, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to drink with you. Yeah, let's do that. Let's be strong. Let's set the example for them. Let's set the tone for them. Let's do this. And, and nothing, not that there's anything wrong with drinking, but, but at this moment with somebody underage with us, we, were, we just wanted to set the tone for him, set the example for him, because we felt like that was kind of our God-given duty to this young man. And so we go, and, and, and you know, if you want to see a man get young again, like a, a kid in a candy store, take a man to a liquor aisle, right? It's just, it's crazy. They all go to the liquor aisle, and they're like, oh, yeah, dude, let's get this one. Let's get that one. Oh, man, have you tried this? Oh, man, this one's awesome. And, and, and I knew what was to be expected, and we're there, and they're all doing doing this and they're all getting really excited like kid in a candy store and they're just going to have a good time and 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 for me it was just like man I, I just I, this this young man can't drink and I want to show them that you can have a good time without alcohol like you aren't dependent upon alcohol to have a good time and, and you can have alcohol to have a good time but it's it's not it's not the equalizer right it's not the it factor it's so so I was just like, man, it's okay. I'm going to get a Red Bull. I'm going to do something like that. I'm going to do something alternative uh, and, and just do something different. And then my friend, who I committed to, 
And we made a pact together. All of a sudden, I was seeing him. He's like, oh, yeah, I tried this IPA once, man, over there. And it's just, yeah, man, let's load up. And, and all of a sudden, he's walking out with, you know, a couple of six-packs. I'm like, what is going on here? And what happened to my blood pressure? It went up. I got livid. I got really frustrated. And I was like, man, this is not good. We're trying to set an example. We're trying to be godly to this young man. What is going on? And so we, we flowed the river, and I engaged in some conversation. And then, you know, on the river, you drink more than you should, right? Because you're out in the sun, and you're sitting there for four hours. And, and then so everybody's kind of, you know, stumbling and acting, acting foolish, right, and saying stuff that they wouldn't say normally. But they're having a good time, right? And so that's what matters. And and I got to this point where it just was stewing in me. And all you've had relationships like this, right? You, you, you made an agreement maybe with a spouse, with a friend, maybe a parent. And, and y'all set that out and, hey, we have an agreement together. And then somebody violates the agreement, right? And then you realize it's starting to stew inside of you. And I can do one of two things. I can start murdering or I can confront this. So I sat down with my friend. It was, it was I think, a month later, because right? I'm avoidance. You know? <laughs> I'm avoidant. I sat down with them, and we sat down, and I was like, this is so awkward. Like, dudes don't do this. Why am I doing this? But I had to talk to him. I was like, hey, man, I got to talk to you about something that's kind of serious. He's like, what's up? And I got the frog in my throat. And some of y'all are good at this. I'm not. And, and I was just like, but the Lord said this. Go to them. Be reconciled. So I said, hey, man. You and I, let me first understand this. When we went on that bachelor trip, did we agree not to drink together? I thought that's what we said. I, I, I mean, I don't want to assume that I said that. But that's what I thought was communicated. He goes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we said that. And then you drank, man. And, and you indulged. And you went overboard. And this young man who was with us saw that. And I'm just offended right now. And I just I want to make it right. So he said, man, you're right. I'm sorry. That was it. I'm sorry I did that. I said, okay, cool. Let's be friends again. <laughs> Truth is, we were always friends. That doesn't hurt the friendship. It just creates weeds in the friendship. It creates something deep down and creates this root that I wanted to pull out of my life. Because when I saw that guy, I wanted to see him for who he was and who God made him. I was having a hard time when there was a fence. And we were reconciled. And that's what, that's what godliness is, and it brought this maturity in my life, a little bit more maturity. So two things that you need when, when moving into reconciliation and confronting one another. First thing you need is humility. It's the first thing you need. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That we'd start looking at each other's interests and looking to each other and being humble and saying, um, um, I'll go first. That's what humility says. I'll go first. I'll, I'll be willing to throw it out there, even though it's super uncomfortable, even though I, I'm the person, according to Harvard Business Review, like, who leans away and not leans in, you know, according to this interview that I listened to. And, and, and I say, I'll go first, but also I may be wrong. I may be wrong. I, I, I'm not going to assume that I'm right in this. And lastly, I consider you better than me. 
Isn't that what the scripture says? Consider others better than yourselves. Now, that seems counterintuitive because all of us have been taught, no, you need to look out for you. You need to look out for you first. And there's a great principle you need to steward yourself, but you need to look to others. In this situation, consider them better than yourself. Second thing that we need is not just, not just humility first, but we need love. Love sees beyond the fence to the relationship. 1 Corinthians 13, we all know it. It gives us an outline of love, that love is not an emotion, but love is a choice and a lot of decisions. Love is a lot of choices, and you get to decide whether or not you get to love. You get to decide in that moment if you're going to be the kind of God's love that he's called you to be. Whether you're going to humble yourself, whether you're going to put each other's needs above your own, whether you're going to lay down your life one for the other. It's just amazing what love can do. And this is what God's called us to. He's called us to reconcile. He's called us to reconcile. And I love God because whatever he calls you to, he was willing to do himself. He was willing to do himself. You see, when he saw a people who were walking on a fence, a people who were separated, a people who, who, were, who were constantly offending God, constantly putting up walls, constantly not obeying, consistently doing wrong, he decided to send his son, Jesus, to be the great reconciler. He said, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to reconcile humanity back to myself and so he sent his son in the likeness of human flesh and that he, he this man walked and he humbled himself do you realize when jesus came and he was incarnate it was it was a humbling of himself to come to mankind and walk with him and humbly walk and he loved just like love says where he laid down his life one for the other that he considered us better than himself in that moment that he considered our life better than his life in that moment when he gave his life upon the cross it's a beautiful picture because he's the one who wants to deal and reconcile relationships he's the great reconciler and that's what he wants to do for you and me and he calls us to do the same with our wife with our husband with our friendships, with our kids, with our coworkers, with our church family. He's called us to reconcile. And so would you mind just closing your eyes? I just want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in your life that you just maybe have an offense towards? Is there anybody in your life that maybe, maybe you've been growing and you just feel a little stagnant? Maybe it's controlling your emotional quotient. Maybe your emotional quotient is tapped out because you have this offense inside of you. Maybe it's causing all sorts of stress in your life through these relationships. I want you to just right now, whoever that is, I want you to just think about them and just start praying for them. Start interceding for them. Start asking for Jesus' heart for that person. God, how do you see this person? God, what do you see in this person? How do you mold them? How do you shape them? How did you create them? Lord Jesus, help me see past my offense. I give my offense to you, and I pray, God, that you would give me the courage to go to them. Father, we love you today. God, we just thank you for who you are, Holy Spirit, and we just pray, God, that you as a great reconciler would just move in power, and God, that you would show up, Lord, and that you would strengthen us. Father, God, that you would embolden us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just be glorified. Lord, I just pray that you would raise our emotional quotient, but also our spiritual quotient. That we become the righteousness. We are the righteousness. But we become in alignment with who we already are. 
by operating how you have called us to walk and operate. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, would you stand with me this morning? Can we give it up to the Lord for that message this morning? I just wanted to remind you this morning that we still have some great um, things going on at Luminous. On Monday nights, we have Illumination at 715 that meets here at the church for anybody that is um, just single and um, ready to mingle. No, I'm just kidding. It's not really for that. It's um, just really just walking in singleness and so um, and what that looks like biblically. And so we would love to have you. Um, week one already started, but we would um, you can still join in. Um, and on Tuesday nights, um, Ben and I are leading a Bible study of um, calling the building blocks of marriage. So if you're done being single and mingling and now you're in a relationship and the struggle's real, please come because it's really great. Um, for, we've started and had the first week and talking about love and respect. And so really feel like it would be huge, huge, huge for your marriage. And so whether you're thriving or whether you're not, it's great. So it starts at seven o'clock on Tuesday nights. And so we would love to have you there. Church, Jared Gallardo's in the house. Some of y'all know him. So he just wants to share quick words, quick encouragement. Man, this is, um, God put it on my heart as Ben was speaking this message to us this morning. Um, this is coming from Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15. It says, to pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble by it defiling many so while Ben is speaking and when we look at this verse in Hebrews pursue peace with everyone and holiness God's standard is calling us to pursue peace with everybody people who if, if there is offense guys pursue peace with everyone and holiness if there's a fence in your home group, if there's a fence in your marriage, in your family, in your cousin, with, with anybody, pursue peace. Why? Because verse 15 says, so that no one falls short of the glory of the grace of God. And look at that. That's exactly what Ben talked about. So that no root of bitterness springs up and defiles. Defilement is connected with that root of bitterness. And so if we let that root linger, just as Ben was talking about, and we just keep mowing the grass and mowing the grass, and we never get to the bitter root, then it's going to eat inside of us and well inside of us and cause depression and cause angst and cause anxiety and cause division. And that's not what the Holy Spirit wants. For His church, He wants unity, and He wants us to live in peace. I just encourage you guys with that. Amen. Amen.